are Locked On Spurs, your daily San Antonio Spurs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast and the Locked Over Spurs, Locked On Spurs podcast, a crossover edition of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Sean Cohen from Locked On Grizzlies, and I'm very happy to once again welcome one of my favorite members of the Locked On Podcast family, Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs. Jeff, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Uh, thank you for having me back, Sean. I really appreciate that. And I, like we said before you hit the record button, I just hope we get a good playing game uh, tonight. Uh, you know, the Spurs, Grizzlies, you know, I, I just hope it doesn't turn into what we saw in the regular season. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, that's the thing about it is that the Grizzlies and Spurs played each other three times. First game of the season got to be a bit closer, but that was because Jaw had the best game of his career. And then, of course, after their hiatus um, from COVID, the Grizzlies, on at least on their end, the Grizzlies and Spurs played two back-to-back games in San Antonio. Grizzlies were able to pull off, you know, some good victories in that game. Uh, but I agree with you. At the end of the day, just like we've seen over the past decade, two foes that are very familiar with each other, it always seems to be close. And I think that, you know, that's that's going to stand out again tonight. But, you know, what? how have we gotten here? Two teams yeah. that have taken paths that no other team in the NBA has taken in terms of how many games they played in the second half of the season due to COVID interruptions. Now, Jeff, I know how it's been on the Grizzlies side, but on the Spurs side, just how much, uh, you know, wear and tear has this condensed schedule been for popping the, for popping the team? You know, this, uh, this break has been tremendous for San Antonio because they had, I think, the, the second most difficult schedule in the NBA in the second half of the season. It was just brutal. I even I'm out of the spur. I don't wear the uniform, and even I was getting tired. It was just every other day and back to backs. And you saw the wear and tear on San Antonio. Popovich, uh, towards the end of the season, you know, pretty much threw his hands up in the air and said that he feels empathy for the players. That the schedule is a grind. That is brutal. You just saw it in their play. They just look out of gas. And Popovich even used words like the team is just half empty right now. So. It was really taxing on them, and the break that they're currently on right now has been welcomed, and I think it's going to be good for them. They can finally get into practice for a very young team. They only have, what, three veterans on the squad. That's it. The rest are all young guys. So I think that's the, the rest will help the vets. The practice time they've been getting is going to help the young guys. And, and I think you mentioned the, the COVID break that Memphis had. The, the Spurs COVID break, it – I think it derailed them a bit because they were really playing um, above their heads in the first half, going into LA and beating the Lakers and the Clippers, beating teams like your Grizzlies early in the season. They were getting some quality wins in that first half. COVID hit them. And then ever since then, they looked like they kind of were out of sorts. They stumbled. Then I think that really came at a really fortuitous time for them uh, to have that uh, week off. But this is a, a Spurs team that's coming in with a what a four game losing streak and not good. Well, you guys are on a four game home winning streak. Um, you got the Spurs that uh, you know are, they got nothing to lose. They really, really don't. Uh, they're the tenth seed. They barely made it in. They stumbled into it. They lost. They lost their last. They they just needed to win one game to close out the the tenth seed. They couldn't even do that. 
you know, they had to rely on, uh, I believe, the Pelicans and the Kings to, to get the L for them to get in. All in all, I think they're coming in with spirits high in the sense of they got nothing to lose and they're playing on the road, Sean. Uh, they play way better on the road than they do in San Antonio. So watch out, Memphis. No, and that's something, you know, there's more similarities here between these two teams than you might think, as you alluded to, Jeff, because this, this Grizzlies team emerged, you know, despite their last week. It took that four-game winning streak at home, Jeff, to end the season for the Grizzlies to simply get to 500 at home. So, yes, this, the Grizzlies are the same. They are a better road team than a, a home team. Now, we hope that we've turned the corner a bit. But, you know, you said something interesting in there in that this is a young team when it comes to the Spurs. And you're absolutely correct. Besides Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, and DeMar DeRozan, you've got a bunch of guys who are really trying to emerge into the stage of their careers that they're hoping to maintain for a decade or so. The Grizzlies obviously are even younger, the youngest team in the league, but some trends that were both organizations, which we'll get to in the second segment, in a bit of a transition period. But while there's been pauses due to COVID, perhaps ineffectiveness, obviously on the Spurs end, LaMarcus Aldridge and, you know, his departure, mm-hmm. but there's been good development from younger players. Now, on y'all's end, it's it's led by Kelton Johnson and DeJounte Murray, I feel, but on our end, obviously, it's been led by DeAnthony Melton and others, but just from the Spurs' perspective, I know Derek White, it's been a bit unfortunate with his injuries, but overall, right. the development this year has certainly been a bright spot for San Antonio, I would assume. You know, it, coming into this season, that was kind of one of the to-do lists. That was like, right, right. It wasn't number one or number two. You know, uh, that was a t- on, on the, uh, the the to-do list for San Antonio to get these guys some run and check that off the box because they definitely did that. And that's how the uh, Spurs are also looking at the play-in game versus your Grizzlies uh, tonight as a chance for these young guys to get something close to a playoff game feel. It's a one-and-done, a game seven vibe to it. And I think this will bode well for their development. Now, you mentioned how your Grizzlies are the youngest team in the league, and that is absolutely correct. But a lot of your guys, you know, are already getting the development before this young Spurs team got theirs. And what I mean by that is it it took a pandemic for Kelton Johnson to get his run last season out on Orlando bubble. Had it not been for the pandemic, I think he still would have been in Austin playing with the G League. It took – Derek White getting multiple injuries for Devin Vassell to get run as a rookie under Popovich's watch this season. If, if it wasn't for Derek White's uh, rash of injuries, I think he would have been with the Austin Spurs. Pop just is notorious for not playing young guys. The, the The coaching staff in Memphis see the value in getting those guys run. And I'm not saying Popovich doesn't. I think he does. It's just a different approach to it. But all in all, I think you guys are ahead of the curve as far as the young player development than San Antonio's right now. But San Antonio's young core is coming along rapidly. Lonnie Walker made a big leap for himself personally on the court, you know, career high in scoring and, and, and uh, you know, minutes played and obviously games played, et cetera, et cetera. DeJounte Murray really took the next step in his development it is likely going to be the face of the franchise moving forward. And, uh, Devin Vassell, a surprising rookie, he's playing great. Yeah, and, and it is unfortunate that Derek White got hurt because uh, he, it wasn't just the recent injury. He has just been snake bitten this whole season, whether it be off-season toe surgery, come back, you know, re-injure the same toe but a different injury on the same toe, 
comes back from that and then busts his ankle and now he's out for the season. He he just could not catch a break at all this season. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, this is a very young team going into tonight's game versus your Grizzlies. But, look, this Spurs team is so Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know if we're going to get the Milwaukee Bucks layers that we saw earlier in the season where they just decimated Milwaukee, or I'm going to get the, the team that just got destroyed by Boston you know, when Boston made that 32-point comeback on them. They're so Jekyll and Hyde. I, you know, people ask me, how do you see the game tonight? And I'm like, what, what team are I getting from the Spurs? I mean, that's what it comes down to. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like yourself on Locker Room watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can find Locked On hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL. Go download the free Locker Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NFL, MLB, NHL, whatever group you want for the latest league updates. I know you'll find tons of incredible rooms around your favorite team and leagues. I can't wait to join you all on the app, and I'll sure to let you know once Locked On Spurs is live. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Again, we go back to the similarities of these teams. I mean, you know, you had mentioned, you know, the Grizzlies development, but but look at it this way. You know, we're talking about um, the aspect of, um, okay, a young rookie who's had to step up into a bigger role. You've got Devin Vassell for the, uh, for due to injuries. Devin Vassell for the Spurs, obviously Desmond Bain for the Grizzlies. A young player who in his second or third year has stepped up to reach heights. Many didn't expect this early. Kelvin Johnson for the Spurs, the Anthony Melton for the Grizzlies. You've got a player who's been in the league for a little bit, but has emerged as a you know most improved type player. DeJounte Murray for the Spurs, Kyle Anderson for the Grizzlies. And a big reason why is because of injuries that have occurred and each of these players having to step up, step up in bigger roles. And that's certainly what they have done. The thing about Dizzo is, to your point, it's very Jekyll and Hyde for the Grizzlies as well. You know, in January, we lead the league in defense. In April, we lead the league in offense. And then over the past, you know, 15 games or so, we've been bottom of the league in both offense and right. defense. So <laughs> it's which version are you going to get? That's what really what it comes down to, uh, to you know, later on tonight, obviously. A- absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I guess we're both in the same boat. But, you know, you look at uh, the Spurs coming into tonight's game, um, you know, you're looking at how they're going to match up with your Grizzlies. Like, what are they going to do? Well, everything the Spurs pretty much suck at, you know, is where you excel, your Grizzlies excel. When it comes to uh, defending the three-point line, the Spurs just I, – I don't understand why they can't just simply run off guys the three-point line. They just have – they just are poor at it. And you see teams like Utah, you know, um, first of all, great shooting the ball, but they look – spectacular versus San Antonio this year. Other teams got off. I mean, your Grizzlies hit some some uh, key threes in the uh, regular season series versus San Antonio. Actually, as a matter of fact, y'all won the, the last two three-point uh, categories statistically in the last two meetings as far as makes are concerned. And then you got a rebounding. You know, you know the Spurs, you know, outside of Yaka Pirtle, you know, the, they've kind of dropped a step off 
from rebounding. You know, you had a guy like Marcus Aldridge. Now, granted, he wasn't really rebounding great, but at least he was a body out there. He's gone. You lose a, a young guy, and yes, he's young, and, you know, the jury's still out. Luka Samanich, he's out with a broken hand that he suffered right before the season ended. So you lose that big body. So now you're down to Drew Eubanks, who's an undersized big, at least undersized five, and Yaka Pertle, who I think is going to be key in this series. I know everybody's saying that DeJounte Murray, DeMar DeRozan, I think it's actually Jakob. Uh, and that's their big man depth. And I think it, the what Memphis presents to San Antonio is going to be a challenge for San Antonio because mm-hmm. Memphis can rebound the ball. What we all are, um, what first or second in steals to end the season? Every everything that the Spurs need to work on and get better at is exactly the sub Memphis. Well, that's what stands out to me about this game. Again, here with uh, Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs, Locked On Grizzlies, Locked On Spurs crossover edition um, of the Locked On uh, Grizzlies and Spurs shows for tonight's matchup against the Grizzlies and the Spurs. But that's what stands out to me about this matchup tonight specifically, Jeff. And, you know, we'll we'll get into the matchup and also talk about the futures of both teams here in just a moment. But on Sunday, when the Grizzlies face the Warriors for the chance to play this first tonight in that 8-9 game, Jeff, what stood out was that the two players who stood – who who stepped up for the Grizzlies were Jonas Valanciunas on offense and Dylan Brooks on defense. Dylan facing off against Steph and then Jonas being able to have his way in the paint. That exact equation, combination, whatever you want to call it, that actually is the one area of the Grizzlies' play that I'm confident going into into tonight's matchup. That's no disrespect to the Spurs. But I just feel you mentioned Jakob Pertle. Beside, I really, and I don't even think Pertle really is that worrisome of a matchup for Jonas Valanciunas to be able to have another big double-double 15.15 rebound night. But then also Dylan Brooks, the level of play that he's playing on defense, at least being able to make life a bit tougher than most can for DeMar DeRozan. You know, I feel that combination, I feel confident about that combination's play in terms of defense and offense. From the Spurs perspective, is there anybody specifically you feel confident in with the Grizzlies specifically as a matchup? Is it Kelvin Johnson stepping up, somebody else? What are you confident about on the Spurs end? Uh, I, I'm looking at DeMar DeRozan. I, I think DeMar DeRozan is, is, is could be that guy that gives Memphis the biggest fits. Uh, you know, he's a veteran. He's been there, done that. He, he's a great facilitator. Um, I don't think people outside of San Antonio uh, do not know that, just how good of an assist guy he is. He gets guys involved, and I think you're going to see that out of him. And He's pretty much, you know, got rid of that whole reputation of him being a non-closer, you know, a, a choke, a choke guy, you know, when the game's on the line. He's closed out a lot of games for San Antonio and hit some clutch shot shots this season. I think he can be an issue for Memphis. Also, I think another guy could be an issue is uh, Kelvin Johnson. Uh, he, here's a kid that is fearless, isn't afraid to get into the weeds and the trees and, you know, take bodies, you know, along with him. Uh, he is just a force when it comes to driving to the paint. Uh, if you're Memphis, you just want to dare him to shoot. I think that's your game, game plan. But if he gets loose and starts attacking that rim, then it could be a long night for uh, defenders and possibly getting some guys in foul trouble on the Memphis end. Overall, I just think every, when I look at the Spurs team, uh, at least on the offensive end, defensive end, eh, you know, sometimes I wonder. But offensively, 
one thing that's proven throughout the entire season is it's not just one guy that carried the scoring load. DeMar DeRozan, he fine. Kelton Johnson, check. DeJounte Murray, check. At times it was Derek White, uh, Rudy Gay, you know, Patty Mills. They have so much offensive balance that I think that overall offensive attack could spell problems for Memphis. But if you're looking at the la- the regular season, you know, especially the last two games, it's the defensive end versus Memphis that I'm worried about. In the second meeting of the season, the Spurs gave up 129 points. And in the final meeting of the season, the Spurs gave up 133. That's not good. So um, it's just the defensive end where I have where I worry about San Antonio. And you mentioned Jakob Pertl. And I don't think it's just Jonas that's going to give him problems. I think Jaron Jackson is going to give him issues. Kyle Anderson likely could as well. Um, I'm just really looking at Pirtle as perhaps the key to this series. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Why is it my favorite built protein bar? Well, simply because of the variety of flavors. They have nine delicious flavors, including the limited time flavors. Now, those flavors include coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie. The list goes on and on. And hey, look, if you cannot make up your mind, you want to sample a little bit of everything. Well, they even have the mixed box option that lets you try out all the flavors. One of my favorites is the uh, coconut. Uh, again, it just tastes like a candy bar. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. You definitely want to go to BuiltBar.com right now. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, you will get yourself 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action over at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, even UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and get yourself a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts use promo code LOCKEDON. Agreed. And, and that's the thing about it. You know, if Yaka Pirtle, you know, especially if he's able, if the the one thing that stands out to me that is a concern is because DeRozan does it to us when whenever the Spurs get back going since they've got DeMar DeRozan against the Grizzlies, either to pull ahead or to come back, or especially in that darn bubble last year, Jeff, I cannot mm-hmm. tell you how many words I cannot say on this podcast <laughs> towards DeMar DeRozan. I have complete respect for who he is, but it's the key to get to the free throw line, right? The Spurs, right. the Spurs are a top 10 team when it comes to shooting free throws. The Grizzlies, unfortunately, have been fouling like a bottom five team almost over the past month, unfortunately, since Jaron's been back. And Jaron is going to probably be in the starting lineup. But, you know, three things that stand out are, you know, the Spurs ability to get to the free throw line. You mentioned it in that if they do that and DeMar's having himself a game, what hurt the Grizzlies on Sunday was Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins supporting Steph. Do Keldon Johnson and DeJounte Murray and others do that on offense for the Spurs? But another big key about this, the Grizzlies bench up until the middle of April, up until tax day this year, 
Under Taylor Jenkins has arguably been a top five bench in the league, but they absolutely have fallen off. The other thing that scares me in this game in the Spurs' favor is with the combo of Patty Mills and Rudy Gay off the bench, when those starting lineups are off the court, that's a big area where y'all can make a move, especially if Patty Mills is able to find his range from three. Yeah, it, it really feels like it's everything hinges on Spurs' wins and losses on the three-point line. The, the Spurs rank dead last to close out the regular season in three-point attempts. And that's talking about a new era in the NBA where threes are vital and they just don't throw them up. Popovich has even had to go to tell some players, like, just to shoot the ball. He goes, he even, he told, I think he told DeJounte Murray this, you're still going to get paid. Your family's going to love you. Just shoot the ball. I mean, just for, they just settle for these two shots and it just, um, you know, that's something they're going to work on. And DeJounte Murray even said it in a, in a post-game uh, interview with media saying that he's going to be focused on his three-point line shooting in the offseason. Th- that could be the Spurs' ultimate Achilles heel is the lack of three-point shooting. Uh, and so that's where your Patty Mills comes in. He has to be what we affectionately say FIBA Patty because when he's playing like he's wearing the Australian uniform, then it's lights out. And he needs to do that uh, not only just for the Memphis, but if they do beat your Grizzlies and move on, he has to be the guy knocking down the shots because they lost for arguably their second best shooter from the three-point line, and that is Derek White. That's how bad this first team is at shooting threes. They don't take them, and they don't make them. And usually when that happens in a game, they're going to pick up that L. So that's where Patty Mills has got the knockdown down. Devin Vassell, he's been kind of a, you know, a saving grace when it comes to knocking down threes. He can hit a few. Rudy Gay as well. All in all, I, I just – you're going to need the Spurs. Um, and then if you're just planning to go up against the San Antonio Spurs and you're in Memphis in, you just say, hey, you know, give them the three line. I mean, you really could come down to that. Just give them the three line to see where they can make them. Well, that's the thing that hurt us in that first game of the year, Jeff, if, if I remember correctly, is that we did give you all the three line. And the problem is, is that it seemed like every single time that we were trying to make that run – Y'all would then make a great pass out to the side, and either Lonnie Rocker or Kelton Johnson or somebody would hit a corner three. I even think LaMarcus Aldridge hit a couple of threes in that <laughs> game. But 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 that's my point is for both teams, you know, that's the big difference that, you know, got Memphis kind of, you know, got them in a bad position on Sunday. They allowed 15 threes to the Warriors and only shot six themselves. That's 27 points you've got to come up with. You're trading twos for threes, and you're getting the twos. That's never a good place to be in. And so I agree with you. I think that's why I'm wanting Grayson Allen to hopefully be available for this Grizzlies team. Is So then we've got Melton and Bain and Brooks and um, Anderson and, and, and Allen obviously available to shoot the three. This is one game where the Grizzlies three-point shooting, they're actually – the better three-point shooting team, mm-hmm. but they haven't been shooting the three well at all. I do think whoever shoots from three, especially whoever can get somebody on a hot streak, that will make a big key difference in this game. Whoever has the players that are shooting the threes, that's going to make the, all the difference in the world in this game. Yeah, and um, is, you think it would be cool if um, Trey Jones uh, just asked uh, his brother Tyus to give him the playbook tonight? Would that be cool, you know, just the night before? Just say, hey, can we can we look at the playbook? What you got there, brother? Big old brother of mine, Tyus Jones. Uh, that's that could be fun. But all in all, I, I think um, this is a game where um, you look at the matchups. And first of all, Memphis is what is it? Uh, Spurs, Memphis, because you got Tyler Jenkins and you got uh, Blake Ahern on there. So 
they know a few things about playing, well, at least playing with San Antonio, learning from Popovich. They know that game plan um, because they, they're, their Spurs roots, you know, is, you know, Austin for Blake Ahern and then, of course, Jenkins with San Antonio. So um, all in all, this could be an evenly matched game if things come down to it. But it's just, you know, I'm really worried about the bigs, the size of Memphis. Um, that I think that's going to ultimately either it's either the size of Memphis or the three point shooting for both teams. It would could make or break this game. Yeah, and the other thing that stands out, you know, I think in terms of the bench, you have to feel a bit more confident in San Antonio. I think when it comes to, you know, who has the most reliable talent, singular talent in this game, I think that goes to San Antonio as well, obviously with DeMar DeRozan. For Memphis, I think that you could look at the depth, and I think that the defense is in Memphis's case. I think that three-point shooting could be there as well. But another big area where you could have a tug-of-war type, you know, momentum shift at times is in the hustle areas, second-chance points, creating turnovers, you know, disciplined play. The second-chance points and getting out on the fast break, I'll go Memphis's way. But the discipline in terms of not fouling, and in terms of taking care mm-hmm. of the basketball, I go San Antonio's way. So that's the thing about it is, is that you can look at the numbers and say, you know, whatever you want to. But when you look at the different things that can push the envelope in either way for these two teams, it winds up being so evenly matched. It, it, it's mm-hmm. amazing when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Spurs, they finished the regular season, I believe, ranked first in the lowest turnovers committed in the league. So they don't allow those uh, free chances for opposition, but uh, on the defensive end, I believe even a guy like Jonas Valanciunas, didn't he correct me if I'm wrong. I think he led the league in offensive rebounding this year uh, or or at least he was up there. So he generates those second chance. Enos Cantor. Cantor. Okay. My mistake. Uh, But I know uh, uh, at least on the Grizzlies roster, he, I think on the offensive rebounding end, uh, that's where Jonas uh, shines. So I, I think um, those second chance opportunities got to be minimal for San Antonio. They 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 cannot um, just give those easy buckets up uh, to a, a team like your Grizzlies. And you look at this uh, the Spurs team. You know, sure, you know we we laugh like, hey, you know they're they played great on the road, yay, you know San Antonio. But they're coming into the uh, tonight's game on a three game road losing streak. So there's that. And okay, fine. Maybe they gave away a couple of games, you know, but nevertheless, uh, you know, that is not on their side as well. And they're also going in a, into tonight's game on a three game losing streak as far as getting out rebounded. They've um, given them more boards to the opposition in three straight games to close out the season. So, you, yeah, you're absolutely right. You said in the beginning, like they're not coming in great, you know, if you're looking at statistics. But I think this is a situation where if it's just one game, you throw everything out the window. You hit that reset button and you go in with just that one game mindset. So the Spurs, I think they have the capability to do it, but they're going to really have to be crossing their T's and dotting their I's for 48 minutes uh, in tonight's game. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You know, that that is the thing. You know, we could sit, me and you both, I'm sure, could sit here and have a two hour long conversation about what these numbers mean, why they're trending this way, all this different stuff. But in one game, doesn't matter. But what you what you've done even recently, what matters is is where you are now, and you're talking about a Spurs team that has nothing to lose with co- with, with arguably the greatest NBA coach 
in the history of the league on their side, plus obviously DeMar DeRozan as well. And that's something that I, I'm truly sure no team is going to be excited um, to face. But the, you know, and I also want to say you're right. Jonas is up there with Enos Cantor and Quick Capella. I think whatever metrics you look at, Jonas yeah. may be ahead in one, the other two ahead in the other, whatever it may be. But let's shift gears here just a bit, Jeff, because the other thing about it is, is that we're talking about the ninth and tenth seeds in the West. Whoever wins this game, you know, still is going to have odds against them to actually make the playoffs come Friday night. But the Grizzlies and Spurs also, one similarity between them is in there that they're in a transition period. Both are likely going to be drafting in that er- maybe late lottery, early right. teens area of the draft. So whenever the our respective seasons end, almost San Antonio and Memphis is in, a very interesting offseason coming up. But for San Antonio, it's not just on the court, it's off the court as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, you look at the Spurs, they have and make a decision regarding, well, they don't have to make a decision right now, but as far as the future of DeMar DeRozan, does he stay? Does he go? What do they do that? But one thing that's positive for San Antonio is that they're going to have a lot of money to play with, a lot of money and a good draft spot around 12, 11, 12, 13 in that area. So that's the big question. And I've been saying this on Lockdown Spurs a lot, that the Spurs in the offseason, they're on the clock. They got a bunch of money. They could possibly have three veterans walk away as three slots available on the roster. What are you going to do in their draft pick? Because they're going to get another high pick. So it, it, you were ta- we were mentioning, laughing about how this is a young team. You know, they're about to get younger next year with their draft pick. And then what are they going to do with him? Are they going to be full forward in their rebuild with the young guys? Or are they going to chase a free agent? And just quite frankly, the biggest free agents out there right now are the one there's one that guy that got away, Kawhi Leonard, he ain't coming back. And then one guy in their own backyard, DeMar DeRozan. Those are the two biggest fish in the pond right now. So they got to make a decision. Do you pass on DeMar DeRozan? Or, you know, if he walks, do you offer him something? Just whatever. What are you going to do with him? But in my opinion, I think you offer him something because with scoring at a value this in this era of the NBA, you have to bring him back and then just be a smart draft uh, team, which we know they are. And use that money correctly. Don't go blowing it on guys that you know don't fit into the scheme of the the long term plans, because this is a rebuild. They got to get guys in here that are part of a rebuild situation. So yeah, the Spurs are definitely on the clock this off season, uh, Sean. Yeah, the Grizzlies are on the clock for a, a bit of a different reason. You know, I don't really want to use the ascending descending, you know, word. And I don't mean that disrespectfully towards the Spurs, but what I mean by that is this is that when you look at the cores, uh, I mean you have talked about it before, Jeff. When you looked at the cores of Memphis and San Antonio, I think it's fair to say Memphis has more certainty as to who it's go as to who it's identified is going to lead them going forward. I know the Spurs, that's a big thing for them to figure out this offseason. But the Grizzlies are on the clock as well. And the reason why that is, is because they've exceeded expectations for two straight years. But the thing about mm-hmm. this upcoming year, expectations are going to be higher, especially if they make the playoffs. It's going to be expected for them to keep ascending. And so they're going to have to take quantity, turn it into quality. I know mm-hmm. that some, a name that a lot of people here in Memphis over the past few weeks have really liked is DeMar DeRozan. So a big move for us could be making the cap space to get him, maybe trading for a player such as a Harrison Barnes. But I want to go back to the Spurs for a second 
I think that this is a year in which if you don't retain DeRozan, that money is there for a big name to come, but maybe in a way you usually haven't seen it for San Antonio. Could this be a year in which San Antonio goes the max route and maybe even overpays a little bit for a name like a John Collins or Alonzo Ball, someone along those lines, maybe doing a trade for an unexpected player that we may not see. Do you see a move for a big name besides DeRozan on the horizon for San Antonio? You know, historically, free agents, well, big name free free agents don't come to San Antonio. The only one that ever did do that was called LaMarcus Aldridge. That's it. The Spurs have always been teased and used as bait to get other teams to bite, but big name free agents never really come to San Antonio. Outside of LaMarcus Aldridge, the closest may have been Jason Kidd, and that's that was a long time ago. So, um, look, the Spurs got to the glory period, the, the Big Three era and yeah, the Kawhi Leonard era, because of what? The draft. You know, they got lucky to get the number one pick that turned into David Robinson. Then they got another pick, number one, that turns into Tim Duncan. Draft is smart with Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili. Look how they built themselves. It's through the draft. Kawhi Leonard was a draft day trade with Indiana. And the Spurs took a big leap by trading away George Hill, who was a fan favorite and a very big-time favorite of Popovich. It took that type of moves for the Spurs to remain in contention. Now, the Spurs are not going to have a number one pick. Um, There's not another Tim Duncan. And if they're going to move up in the draft, they're going to have to trade what we saw via the the Kawhi Leonard trade back in the day. I think that's the way San Antonio is going to have to rebuild. And they have to really be aggressive in that department. All eyes are going to be on Brian Wright uh, this offseason as well. Now, as far as free agents, they're going to have to overpay. Unfortunately, they are because you have a guy that I think could fit into the system like um, Laurie Markkinen. I think he'd be a good fit in San Antonio, but he's a restricted free agent. You have to overpay. Put a poison pill bat for Chicago. Same thing with John Collins. You're going to have to overpay with John Collins. Uh, But – that's the way I think a small market team like San Antonio is going to have to get back into prominence. Either win the draft, which ain't going to happen, be aggressive in the draft like they did with Kawhi Leonard, or overpay in free agency. And agreed. And that's the other thing, you know, because eventually Memphis is going to run into this as well. It may be in the summer of 2022. If we don't make that many moves this offseason and have a bunch of cap space, we'll put that to the test for Memphis as well. I think that. You know, there's a. I think there's a better chance than people may think right now that this Grizzlies team actually could just kind of keep things in tow as is, add another draft pick, maybe make a small tweak of trading, you know, doing a two-for-one trade to bring in a, a good player to upgrade the offense a bit. Uh, but, you know, you could see Memphis starting to test out the strengths of its new, you know, small market franchise in a year. But the thing that I want to also ask, if you've got any you know specifics you want to know about the Grizzlies, let me know, Jeff, as well. Yeah. But another big thing that I want to ask, because I asked you this, I believe in the offseason, when it comes to the future of Greg Popovich, and I, I am mm-hmm. really, really hoping and excited to see this hopefully happen this offseason if it's the right time. Greg Popovich, obviously, it seems as if he's coming to the end of his career. Becky Hammond, is yeah. right there on the doorstep. It seems like a perfect scenario. She's a perfect candidate. Do you mm-hmm. feel we potentially see that transition this offseason? I, I think you're starting to see it now. Um, dur- I was at the uh, Spurs-Nets game, and you saw her 
you know, running timeouts, running the huddles after timeouts. Popovich and coaching staff kind of stepping away. It wasn't just once, it was twice. And then I went to Spurs at Knicks. Same thing. She's running some huddles. So, huh, interesting. All right. So you look at that. And then you also look at the fact that, yeah, it is Popovich's time that's winding down. We don't know if he's going to come back or not. Uh, he was asked recently on a Zoom conference about that, and he said that he's not prepared to answer that. Um, he's leaving it kind of up in you know limbo right now. But if the Spurs want to keep pa- uh, Becky in tow, either something's going to have to give sooner or later because she's a hot commodity right now. She's already paid her dues. She's she's in the spotlight now, and a, and a team that's looking to rebuild or reset or coaching change, and yeah, they're going to go after her. We saw that this past offseason. The Knicks were interested in her. We've seen it in the past with the Bucks. The Bucks are interested in her. They interviewed her. So teams are already taking notice. So if the Spurs want to retain her and keep that continuity, that Spurs culture going, then she is the one right now. It'd be interesting to see if they would ever go outside of the family. You know, a college coach bring them in. You know, another team in the another coach in the league that maybe got fired or is an assistant coach bring him back in. That could be a different route. Ime Udoka would be a nice uh, fit if they do go outside of Becky and go go looking for those that were within the system before. But yeah, that is another big key question. What's going on with uh, San Antonio in the offseason is the future of Popovich. But I was going to ask you though, uh, Sean, about your Grizzlies. Uh, John Morant, it seems to me defenses already knowing him give him everything but the lane. Do you think that's something that the Spurs could utilize in tonight's game is just give him everything, don't give him the pain and attack? Sure. You know, it certainly could be there. And the thing about it is this, is that, you know, you heard, I think that's the right approach with Josh Steele. But the thing is, is that you heard all this talk about John not making his second-year leap, his jump shot struggling, so on and so forth and so on. And it was very true through March. And I think a reason why it took Jaw a while to get over the ankle injury that he suffered in Brooklyn in the third game of the season. But I'm not saying that he's all of a sudden turned a corner and is going to be a 40% three-point shooter going forward. But when you look at his numbers from April 4th, or April 1st through the end of the season. And for the Grizzlies, that was basically, if I remember correctly, I think that was, it was more than 30 games, 32 to 33 games. Josh shot 39% from three on four attempts per game. Unfortunately, against Golden State, they didn't respect his shot. They put Kevon Looney on him at times. And so all these narratives start coming up again. Yes, the right thing to do is to take the lane away from Josh. But I do think that one of the reasons why the Grizzlies played well at times in that second half of the season is because Jaw was shooting the three and shooting it at a pretty frequent rate. So, yes, still, the standard may still be to take the, way, the lane away from him. You'd rather him beat you with the jump shot than you would him getting into the lane. But I think that if Jaw hits a couple of threes early, that's not going to be good news for the Spurs. And I think that there is a lot more confidence in his him from him individually to be able to do that now than we could say there was two months ago. So to answer your question, yes, but do I feel Jaw is in a better position to counter that by hitting a few early threes now than he was in the earlier season? I'll also answer that yes. And I don't think one game against Golden State changes the momentum that's come from his improvement in shooting as of late. 
Do you, do you see the uh, Grizzlies attacking the uh, oh, excuse me? Do you see the uh, Grizzlies attacking uh, uh, Pirtle in the paint, getting him in foul trouble because he picks up fouls easily? Yes, and the reason why that is is because because it goes twofold, right? You get Pirtle into foul trouble, you get him out of the game, and the way that you're doing that is by going to what has been your most consistent consistent offensive producer. In Jonas Valanciunas, and it's not just Jonas. It's also countering off of that and being able to go to Jaron as well and hopefully Kyle getting in there for a few floaters also. So, yes, I, I do think that the Grizzlies' focus is going to be getting into the paint and attacking it. They're going to have to establish an advantage somewhere offensively, and I think that it's been there against the Spurs like it has been all year. Last year we didn't do it with Jonas in the bubble, but this year Jonas has just showed – with an elevated level of, level of offensive play, go to him. Let him cook early on, and then from there, get a few early threes. I actually call it the three and V offense, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff, in that they go to Jonas, they get him going, get him some looks. Offensive rebounds also get going early in the game. And then from there, as defenses adjust to try to stop him, there's more high-percentage looks that come open from three, and if the Grizzlies can knock a few of those down, that's where they really can get that offensive balance going. So, yes, I think it would be in the Grizzlies' right mind to possibly go in and attack Pirtle on a pretty consistent basis, especially early on. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's what's making me nervous about uh, tonight's game is him because their big man depth is not that great. I mean, look, no offense towards Eubanks, but that's it. You know, it's pretty much Pirtle and – I mean, Eubank, he's a tough kid. You know, he'll scrap. He'll get in there. He'll do the dirty work. But, you know, guys like Jaron Jackson and, and Valanciunas could eat him alive. And that's their depth at that position is really going to be an issue versus your Grizzlies because you have, you can throw Valanciunas, you can throw Jackson, you know, to a certain extent, the Kyle Anderson, Tillman, you know, another guy you can throw at. So uh, all in all, yeah, I think that is a that's an issue. That's an area on the court that I'm looking at, and all the Spurs are going to handle that tonight versus your Grizzlies. So then, Jeff, we'll go ahead and uh, first off, it's been an, it's been an absolute pleasure as always talking with you. But before we go any further, let's get your prediction for tonight's game and a reason why you think the Spurs might win, and a reason why you think the, the Spurs might lose that stands out to you uh, from tonight's game. I'm sorry, can you repeat that one more time? You cut out a little bit there. Sorry about that. I was saying that when it comes to tonight's game, Spurs versus Grizzlies, a reason you think that the that the Spurs might win. Like if the Spurs win, here's okay. the reason why. But if the Spurs lose, here's the reason why. If the uh, Spurs win, here is the reason why. Their three-point shots are falling. I think that is going to be key for San Antonio. They, you know, there's that are the expression of live and die by the three. Well, the Spurs really, really die. I mean, they're buried 12 feet under, not six feet under. If their three shots are not going or at least attempting them. So the three point shot has to be falling. Three point shot falls, Spurs should get the W. Spurs lose if, obviously, if they don't fall. But if, um, if the middle gets exposed and that being purple, he gets in foul trouble, he has to sit then that's going to spell doom for San Antonio. So it's going to be an inside-out thing. Spurs win if they make their threes. Spurs lose if they don't make their threes. And uh, they get Pirtle um, out of the court, that being Memphis out of the out of the court because of foul situation. But, yeah, those are those are a couple of things that I'm looking at as far as wins and a win and a loss tonight. 
Yeah, three-point offense and three-point defense has been the thing all season for me long for all season long for me is to the Grizzlies' success. But to save from being boring, I'll go a bit of a different direction because I agree with you. Who shoots the three better is a big boost for that team. For the Grizzlies, I feel it comes down to if they win, it means that their bench has emerged once again to be an asset. Perhaps the Anthony Melton right now. Someone stepped up and had a great bench game for the Grizzlies. If they were to lose, as well as Dylan Brooks defending DeMar DeRozan, well, if the Grizzlies were to lose, it's a lack of discipline. Turning the ball over, fouling, losing the free throw uh, game by a big advantage, I think that that's where it stands out. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see. But, Jeff, I'll tell you this, it's been a ton of fun getting to you know be able to talk with you again, catching up and everything. Um, just for folks, where can folks find your great work? As Memphis is a town that loves basketball in general, always a lot of interest in the Spurs as a Grizzlies rival. Where can the uh, Grizzlies fans find your excellent work? Absolutely. Uh, obviously, subscribe to the Locked On Spurs, where we get your favorite podcast. Uh, the Locked On Network has not just the Locked On Spurs and Locked On Grizzlies, everybody. All the teams are well represented. So whether it's Apple, iTunes, Spotify, the Odyssey app, um, Sean, you know this. You can find Locked On Spurs wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And all in all, yeah, definitely uh, download, check it out. Please subscribe right now because we're covering this game, Spurs-Grizzlies, quite a bit in the lead-up to tonight's matchup. And I echo, Jeff, if you're a Spurs fan listening to this, first off, good luck to y'all. Great season so far this year. No offense. I hope it ends tonight. No offense to y'all or Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) All joking aside, I echo Jeff. Um, You can follow me at StatsSAC on Twitter, the show at Locked on Grizz. Please listen, subscribe, review to Locked on Grizzlies, just like Locked on Spurs. Your Grizzlies, your Spurs every day is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And again, you can find us anywhere where you can find Locked On Spurs for all things Grizzlies. A lot of fun always knowing as much about your rivals as you do your own team. But Jeff, this is fun. I can tell you, I will certainly make it a point to, you know, hopefully have us reach out to each other again and be able to catch up in the offseason. But best of luck to you tonight, sir. Thank you. And you too. For Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs, my name is Sean Coleman from Locked On Grizzlies. Thank you so much for listening to this crossover edition of the Locked On Spurs and Locked On Grizzlies podcast. You can find Jeff's great work on Locked On Spurs all regular season and offseason long. Myself, the same here, Sean Coleman with Locked On Grizzlies. For Jeff Garcia, my name is Sean Coleman. We will talk to you again soon on the Locked On Spurs and Locked On Grizzlies podcast.